You know, a lot of a lot of you moms out there, a lot of you women out there, you think being being a dad is the easy part of the job, don't you? Yeah, we go off to work. You got the kids, bloody blah. You got to do the house. You, you no, want to no. leave the room, don't you? you no, <laughs> I'm, I'm always always on duty. Um, you know, and 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 it's even harder being a foreign father. I oh yes, not only do I do all the stuff that any good Christian dad should be doing, but I told my my my, my oldest daughter off mercy. And uh, she turned around and she said, I wish I had an English father. <laughs> you know, they'll pull that card out. They'll pull that out. She's seven. I can't wait until she's a teenager. She'll probably get me deported. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, yeah, clapping. Any case. <laughs> Well, so we have, we have um, these esteemed gentlemen over here that have got a lot of experience being dads um, and Christian fathers between them. Um, we all know that our relationship with our earthly fathers has a tremendous impact on how we relate to our father in heaven. And I know that if you were... If you're fortunate enough to have a, a great dad, it's, a quite, it's, it's quite easy to, to, to love God and respect him. Um, but if you haven't, and not all of us have had a great experience with our earthly fathers, there's, a, there's, there's, there's definitely a, something that has to be addressed over there. So, so you guys, um, your, your relationship with your earthly father, um, tell us a little bit about how that has affected your relationship with, 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 with our Heavenly Father, and in turn, how does that affect the way you relate to your own children? Um, David, you got the mic. Do you want to start? Um, okay. Um, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll have a go. Um, it's interesting on Alpha because we ask this question, you know, how do you view God and so on. And what I found is that I think most of us have a, a, quite a clear idea what, of what a good dad is. Even if we've had bad, bad experiences, we've got some idea of what a good dad is. And so what I found is that usually what we've got to do is modify our thinking the way that we've, you know, whatever experience we've had to align it to what we know is a, is a good dad. Now, as far as I was concerned... I really count myself so fortunate and privileged that I've had such a secure background in my dad. You know, some of you will know about attachments. I mean, I think I've got excellent attachments because my upbringing was, it couldn't have been better. Um, my, my dad was just superb. And so somehow what I see is my view of my heavenly father is almost like a supercharged view of my dad. Mm, mm, mm. So there are lots of um, attributes of my dad that yes. I think about, which then I think... Yes, now that's how my Heavenly Father is. I mean, obvious ones, you know, like um, uh, he was, my dad tried to be around as much as possible. He was always there. So uh, that's my view of my dad, that he would hardly ever go away for a, a night. Sometimes he'd have to, I remember him going off in jury service one time, and he had to go off to Lewis. And he was away for about three nights, and we weren't quite sure when he was going to come back. And I can have only been about six or whatever, but I remember that 
because having my dad around meant so much to me. It was security. I mean, he was a provider. Um, he, he gave us security. I was qu quite secure. Do you know, and all those attributes that you think about um, a dad, that honestly was my dad. And I'm just so thankful for that because I realise that for many people, that's not, not the case. There are lots of other attributes that I could go on and talk about if you want me to, but... What? Well, you know, you've still got three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just say, I yeah. mean, there, there are some just obvious ones, you know, because obviously uh, my dad provided for us. We didn't have uh, lots of money, but I knew that my dad would put me, put us first as children so that we'd, we'd, he'd make sure that we'd got clothing and food and, and the basics. So I've always had that security of being there. Do you know, we... Um, uh, I knew that my dad was very generous, though. So we'd always have people in the house, and other people were always uh, invited. So it was never sort of a selfish thing. And he was saying, no, we want to share what we've got with, with other people. So our house was always full of people coming in, strangers coming in, or whatever. And there were times when my dad would be out all evening. But I had the security of knowing that he was going out and he was helping others in all sorts of desperate situations so um, I never felt abandoned or anything like that uh, he would uh, I mean one thing is I can never remember him actually hugging me um, but I think that was part of the generation that we're in so he never hugged me I can't remember honestly him ever telling me that he loved me but I knew deep down that that, that was there and that song that we were singing just now, do you know, I find very emotional because that, I knew that my dad had that complete love for me, that he wanted the absolute best yeah, for me. Yeah. Um, and sometimes when I think back, I'm thinking, I'm not sure I responded in the right way. I mean, for instance, I can remember, actually, I, I, I studied and I got a degree. And, but I didn't, want any, I didn't want to boast about that. So when it came to the um, ceremony... I said to my mum and dad, I'm not going to that, you know, I'm not going up on the stage and saying I've got a degree or anything. And my mum and dad respected that. But looking back, I'm thinking, I don't think I was, I think that was very selfish. Because I think my mum and dad were actually very proud yeah. Yeah. of me yeah. and what, what I've achieved. But I almost deprived them of that. But then I can also think of... Sorry, I'm going on. Is that all right? I mean, I can no, no, think... Right. I was so... <laughs> I was... I can remember. I must have been a young teenager. And uh, um, one of my dad's work colleagues came up to me and said, Do you know, David, your dad is held in such high regard in our office. He's the chap that's known as being the one that's always dependable, always reliable, that sort of thing. And to hear somebody say that about my dad... I thought, I'm so proud of my dad. And, and so there is a sense in which I, that had a tremendous effect on me too. So I, I guess what I'm thinking is, I knew that, I knew those qualities, and I've wanted to exemplify those in my, the privilege of having children and having grandchildren. I mean, Abe's just come up and given me a picture and so on, which I just think is so apt that... I think that I, I can just thank God for our children and our grandchildren. Um, and I realise that lots of people aren't in that position. And yet, there's something that carries a tremendous responsibility with that. And it, I find it very interesting sitting next to this chat, because uh, you, some of you will know that um, 
so ironic. There's Norman, he can tell his own story, but not having children. But he, in a meeting, I can't remember it well. It must have been about 30 years ago. I didn't know him. But he looked around and he said, that chap over there, there are many teachers, but not many fathers, and you're a father. And that released me because I knew that that's what God had got for me. And so I... I that, that's just encouraged me. And, you know, when I look out, even on new people here, there is a sense in which you're my family. When I hear Joe, where's Joe Gisby? Where's, there's Joe. Did you hear him on Radio Sussex this morning? I thought he was absolutely brilliant. But I thought, he's one of us. He's one of our family. And where he does well, I'm thinking, yeah, we all do well. And, you know, and when I see people on Alpha... And I'm thinking, I, somehow I'm just longing that you would understand the love of God for yourself. So th- that's, that's part of me. And, but, so what I'm saying is my, my earthly dad gave me a, a basic view of, of God. And I see God as being a supercharged version of my dad. Absolutely, that's absolutely brilliant, and and you know you you pointing out that the, the the stability and the security that you had that knowledge, deep knowledge that your dad loved you, is um, well, I mean it's we know in this church that it is something lacking, um, and and you know us as men, as Christian men, we we all really have a duty to 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 father, to be fathers not only to our own biological children but you know, to, to other, you know, people that we know because all the broken, you know, relationships and that, we don't have that stability and, and those, those guys and girls, the, the children, they don't know that love. So, yeah, David, that's absolutely brilliant. What about you, Norman? That's interesting. Scripture says uh, you have a lot of teachers but you don't have many fathers and I believe there's a crying out for fatherhood in the church today. My reflections of my dad were... All kinds of things like I learned that big boys do cry. Um, I saw my dad cry many times, sometimes with sadness, sometimes with great joy. We sit down as a family and watch Lassie and all cry. So again, <laughs> but I was glad that uh, as a man, uh, I didn't think it was wrong to actually to be seen to cry. And that has been actually quite a huge marker in my own life in terms of ministering to other men. Also with my dad was that we were never allowed to go to bed, uh, my sister and I, without saying goodnight to mum and dad and kissing mum and dad goodnight. If I'd gone to bed in a huff, then I would have to be, my dad would come up, out of bed, downstairs, you give me and your mum a kiss and then you can go back to bed. And that, so I never ever, we were never allowed to go to bed without that there was peace in our home and I've carried that right the way through been a bed late sometimes but I learned something about don't let the sun go down on your anger and there was always peace in our home the, other, the last thing I think with my dad was that um, there was lots of things I wanted to do and he never ever gave me money when I needed it he would, he would loan it to me and I had to pay it back and I learned how to manage money, how to handle money, and that my dad wasn't an endless resource that, you know, I was going to tap up uh, for a loan. It wasn't going to happen. And so there were lots of things like that. Yeah, lastly as well, I remember one time I'd just come to Christ, and on a Sunday night, 
Um, I was kind of feeling, do I really want to go to church? My dad just sat me down and said, now then, son, I want you to learn this, that whatever you do, you do it with all of your might. You give yourself 100% to it. So you're going to have to make some choices. If you want to serve God, then you go to church. You turn up at the meetings, you give it your all. If you don't, that's fine, but don't mess around with it. And I guess that's been a value in my life, that whatever I've done, if I've given myself to it, I'm 100% for it. Oh, you will come back to that one, I think, yeah. I think I'm going to answer this a slightly different, different way, but no, maybe a good thing. Um, I, I think to answer the two questions there, like um, how do you see God as a father and how does your own father influence that? I think I find, just looking at my own experience, quite hard sometimes because some other people may relate to this, but I, I think um, how your experience, particularly in your formative years of your father or other authority figures can have a massive influence on how you then see God and if your father's been distant or not the easiest person or you haven't had a father um, and generally male authority figures I think it can really affect that you see God in, in, in the same way and I think for me my, my dad was great he was an incredible provider it gave us a lot of security and um, I, I knew he loved us but I guess the thing for me is as a small, well, I say as a small boy, even even now as a small man, I am. I know that I, I know that I, um, I thrive on encouragement and and affirmation verbally, and also hugs, and and my dad wasn't that kind of guy, and so even though I I knew um, just from, you know how he was that he loved us, there was something deep inside of me where I I felt I wasn't totally being. Um, understood or, or engaged with in some ways that's not my dad's fault you know I understand I, I know him as I got older I know him well enough to understand well he wasn't that demonstrative particularly but but then what then happens obviously is that I bring that into how I start to see God and I see him more someone maybe who uh, is more sterner than he actually actually is and it's only really as I, I got older and and I think for me this is a key as well a, a, a key to kind of um understanding God is there's a big difference I think between knowing something uh, in your head and actually feeling it in here and I know as a Christian for a long time maybe I just knew a lot of stuff but wasn't always feeling it and and it's always that's also the, the, the outrageous thing I think about Christianity that the claim is that you can have a relationship with this with this God that is, is more than just you know a set of books or a particular, a particular philosophical point of view, is actually a relationship here. And for me, that kind of father relationship happened only recently, really, in, in about 2007, eight years ago. I, I kind of came to the end of myself. And I know some of you have heard this before, so I'll, I'll, I'll keep it short. Um, but three things happened where I was under a massive amount of crippling debt. I was self-employed in my business was on his last legs. And a relationship that I thought was going towards marriage ended really painfully and unexpectedly. And it was like all those three things pulled it out from underneath me and I was totally broken. And there was no resources left in me <laughs> to move forward. And, but it was in that place, it was in that place when I was 
it's quite hard to say this, but it was in that place when I was lying in bed, crying, the worst I've ever cried, and saying to God, I need you here. I, I, need, to, I need you to hug me. <laughs> and, and that's what happened. The most incredible thing, I felt a tangible hug from God. And, and things turned around at that point. I'm not saying anything became perfect, but there was something very profound about that for me because God was engaging me as a perfect father in a way that spoke very deeply to me. And that kind of turned me around. And my, you know, my story, in some ways, as a Christian, if you are, kind of think starts from there. Um, but there you go, yeah, that's, that's the... Uh, that's my part of the story. I thought, um, I thought you were going to say something like you alluded to us looking like a Right Said Fred tribute band up here. That, that was going to be my uh, intro ad lib, which I obviously always plan. <laughs> I'm too sexy for this church. <laughs> uh, you obviously don't want to do any stuff up here again. No, do you? no. no. <laughs> It's the last to go out with a bang, yeah, mate. Yeah. <laughs> um, Norman, um, you, 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 you're, you're quite interesting because you don't have any you know, biological children, but you have a lot of spiritual children, and you're a, you're, you're a great father. And uh, could, could you just talk a little bit about that? Because that, that, I think that's really interesting, you know, and it could relate to a lot of us over here. Well, we... When we pastored the church, Grace and I, we had numbers and numbers of young people from broken families that we that we used to look after. Interesting, like one seventeen-year-old boy who would would not go to bed to sleep unless Grace kissed him good night, and nobody had ever kissed him ever good night. And he was seventeen, and that was the thing that he needed. And so we we raised all sorts of kids. Uh, in our home, one in particular called Sue, who uh, eventually got married, and we paid for a wedding, and she has two children, um, Steph and Paul, who call us grandma and granddad. And um, people say to us at times, um, you know, would, would, would you want it any different? And my answer always is, yes, of course. Of course we would want it to have been different. We would have wanted children of our own. That wasn't to be. And one of the things that we've learned about that is that the Lord allows you to be emotional, you cry, but he doesn't allow you to be bitter. Mm. That's sin, and it's an attitude. And all it'll do is it will destroy you. But God's got more than one way of giving you children. And so we have found all kinds of things. So for instance, some of you know an American girl called Renee who comes here at Christmas time and she very clearly since her dad died uh, always calls me Dad Barnes her husband um, Dan rang us yesterday Happy Father's Day uh, Dad just they do that for us and we become a father to um, those people and so there's numbers of people who refer to us now as, as mum and dad and of course some of you will know that uh, we also have two children in Africa, one called Norman Barnes and one called Grace Barnes. Can the world cope with two of us? I don't know. Um, but uh, some of you will know that uh, we had an African came and stay with us, Daniel, went back to Africa, we went out 
a year later. And the missionary said, Daniel wants to give you a gift. And he said, thank you. And he said, well, because you don't have any children of your own, they want to give you their youngest son, who was five months old. And so I burst into tears. I mean, I just came unglued. And so um, he became our son. What do you have to do? You give him back to mum and dad. And will you look after our son for us? And um, when he was five, his name was Ebenezer. When he was five, he said to his mum and dad, is that true that, that Norman Barnes is my father? And he said, yes, he's your adopted father. Was any, I don't want to be called Ebenezer. I actually want to be called Norman Barnes. So he changed his name. He's actually on his passport. He's Norman Barnes. That's his, his name. And when I got to 60, he wrote to us. He goes, dear mum and dad, uh, he said, I'm so worried about you now that you are old. Okay, thank you. Because <laughs> obviously in Africa, you care for parents when you get to that kind of age. So it's interesting to find. And then I found a, a letter, if I may read it to you, if you allow me to, um, that I received from a man called Johnny. And Johnny calls his mum and dad Barnes because that's African. But also, uh, he had a daughter called Grace Barnes. And he writes this letter to us. This is 2007. And he writes, uh, This is not our letter of thanks to you on Grace Barnes. However, it contains a lot of expression of gratitude for your help in all the ways pertaining to Grace's upbringing. In my cherished Ashanti culture, Grace Barnes is yours. Somebody in my village once asked me the real name, i.e. the Ashanti name, of Grace Barnes. I said, Grace Barnes is her real name. I therefore have to discuss issues relating to Grace's development with you and to seek your consent. The consent... I'll read this. this is, you're bearing with me here while I... Okay, it's a marriage proposal. And a young man, an elder of the Church of Pentecost wants to marry Grace. And so he writes this, he says, it is now time to give the brother our answer as, the, uh, as to whether we agree or otherwise to the proposal that he's made. Your consent is needed before we give our final answer to the end. So we had to give our consent to our adopted daughter that before the, any of the arrangements could be made because... She belongs to us. So one of the things that I've often said is, God has got more than one way to give you children. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I was also, you know, while you were saying that, it's, that's such a, a, you know, an uplifting thing to hear. But also, there's a lot of people that haven't had the coolest dads and do you know I think it's as a, as a son or a daughter of a father that's not been 100% the first step is to forgive them and it's hard it's hard but I was just thinking that that forgiveness releases you into a new relationship a new understanding um, of your heavenly father and and in turn will affect how you bring up your own children, if you have them. Um, do you guys? Do you want to add anything to that? Or now, keep in mind, mm. I've only been a dad for four years. Okay, <laughs> David, you could times that by eleven. I think <laughs> I'll, I'll works out. Um, so, anything I'm saying here is in regard to four years' worth of experience. But 
Um, well, actually, I was reading, I was re- I was reading um, a story of Abraham recently and about how he left his home and went into um, it, what, what would be the promised land, where, into, into Canaan, and, and how, what he left behind and how he took his family and moved into there. And when well, I was thinking about the questions we'd be asked today and about um, children, I was thinking about how, when I was thinking about being a dad, how I, then my immediate thoughts start going to this kind of um, aspiration, if you will, to try and be the ideal, the ideal father and what I picture that to be. Or people I may think have qualities which I could aspire to be like. And then on the other side, I'm kind of aspiring not to be certain things as well, as in negative sort of representations of what fatherhood is. And as I started thinking about that, I was thinking, hang on a second, both, both these both these positions are kind of reactive in a way. They're both like, I'm either trying to be something over here, or I'm trying to resist something over here. And I, and I thought, well, hang on, God, is there, is there a way of me just going down the middle? And actually, like Abraham, I guess, in some ways, of moving into something totally new, of not actually um, worrying too much about being an ideal dad, not worrying too much about being a rubbish dad, but actually, God, could you help me be the best version of me <laughs> that I possibly could be? Mm, mm. Because my kids would benefit from that then. Yeah. And so my wife. <laughs> and so will other people. Mm. And actually, if I stop worrying about trying to be an ideal dad, this conception I have, and actually just worry about, God, make me the best version of me that you can make me, then um, I think we could probably get through it. Um, and also, I, 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 I totally trust that God will provide, like me and my wife, everything we need in the circumstances that we come across, in the moments when we need them, the wisdom, the patience, the, uh, all, the, all, all the skills. And, and I trust as well and have that peace that for this, those times, especially when me and my wife can't be there, um, especially in years to come, that God will have his hands on my children. He will look after them and keep an eye on them. And like, like a father, in fact, you know, for those times when we may easily worry, I, I trust I can have peace in those times. All right, excellent, guys. Well, thank you, thank you. you all right, you want to say yeah. something? You join him? David? Just a, just, yeah. just a couple of things. Yeah, yeah. One is, I think, uh, as a dad, what you want to do is you want to bring your children up so they're mature and they can stand on their own two feet and not rely on you. Yeah. So there is a sense in which, you know, that's what you want to see happening. And then I think that there's something about that of, of us and God that I see we're his children yeah. and we'd always be his children but what he says is I want you to grow up and I want you to be mature in, in, in what you're doing mm. and the other thing that comes to mind is of course the whole Romans 8 bit about being adopted as his sons yeah. so whoever we are and whatever our experience of, of our mothers or our fathers or whatever the fact is that as we give our life to Jesus we've got an adopted dad yes. and all that goes with that all the inheritance, all the security everything that's there so that what an amazing thing. We're adopted as sons. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for sharing. Um, and uh, you, you keep up the good work, and I'll just carry on being the rubbish dad. <laughs> yeah, okay, bye. <laughs>